This is Beyond Riel, a UMFM limited series that delves into the history, culture, and challenges facing minority francophone community in Canada. My name is André Marcheldon. And I'm Ian T.D. Thompson. We are excited that you have tuned in as we explore la francophonie in Canada. This series is sponsored by La Société de la Francophonie Manitobaine, the advocate for the Franco-Manitobaine community. This project is also supported by a Taking a Global grant with support from the Canada Service Corps and the Government of Canada. This is part two, exploring the culture of the Francophone communities in Canada. On our last episode, we looked at some of the cultural events in Manitoba, such as the Festival du Voyageur, French Theater, and the French Improv League of Manitoba that connects the Francophone community. Today, we delve deeper into the culture of the Francophone community by looking at some of the original content produced by Gabriel Tuga. In case you missed it, here is Gabriel's bio once again. Gabriel Tuga is a filmmaker and television director who was born and raised in Winnipeg. Gabriel writes and directs documentary series for national broadcast, and favorite themes of his include environmentalism, cultural identity, and youth engagement. Every community has its own unique culture, perspectives, and challenges. Gabriel is one of several artists that has celebrated and explored his community through his original content. Gabriel also went beyond this by producing French content that is not about the Francophone community. So I know in 2011, you uh, spearheaded the project Ceci est notre message, which translates to this is our message. Can you tell us a little bit about this project and what inspired you to undertake it? So this was this was 2011. And I think a couple years earlier, either for the US midterms or for the 2008 presidential election, a bunch of Hollywood celebrities had come out with an ironic campaign called Don't Vote. It was um, them just on a white screen, speaking right into camera, ironically saying, don't vote, it's not worth it, because uh, who cares about X, Y, or Z issue? And then obviously they spin it around at the end and encourage you to, to sign up to vote if you care about those issues. And I was, I mean, it was an effective campaign and, and all that, but I, was, I really liked the format. And I decided instead of doing kind of a conventional documentary, I wanted to do what we ended up calling our which I guess in, in English would kind of translate into like a megaphone film <laughs> or like a, a mouthpiece film where we wrote a 20 minute ish monologue and gave it to 16 different young faces from our community to speak right into the camera and intercut between them. And we kind of just like unloaded everything that we had on our hearts about our experience of growing up in the Franco-Manitoban community. We talked about all kinds of different topics like accent and cultural symbols and representation in the media, our relationship with Quebec, our experience coming up through the educational system because something that is characteristic of my generation is that I went into kindergarten in 95 or my, my class went into kindergarten in 95. And that would have been the second year that the Franco-Manitoban school division had come into existence. I'm one of the first generations to have entirely gone through his entire French language schooling from kindergarten through to university in, in a French language, in a fully French language ecosystem, fully administered by Franco-Manitobans. So we had a lot on our mind and we wanted to share it with other generations and we wanted to share it with other people because there were a lot of truths that we were speaking in, in like, in, conver in late night conversations in basements or in bars or whatever, but hadn't really been stated publicly. So it ended up being that, it, 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 exactly what I described, a, a 20 minute straight down the barrel monologue from a group of 16 young people who identified as, as Francophone in Manitoba, talking about the different issues that there was on their hearts. 
the one thing that I'll say about that is what we were most struck by is how much it resonated with other French communities and how far it resonated. Like not just Saskatchewan and Ontario or like Alberta and BC, but the Maritimes, like Acadian populations out in the Maritimes, especially the Nova Scotian Acadians who have a very similar like kind of statistical makeup as Franco-Manitobans. The Louisiana Cajuns, second, second and third language French speakers from Latin American countries. The, the film ended up being seen, I think, 16,000 times over the different platforms uh, in five or six different countries and all across Canada, according to our metrics. We were surprised at how universal the experience was. We thought we were writing about our little Franco-Manitoban experience and we were just writing to other Franco-Manitobans and it exploded way beyond that. And that was one of the first inklings that I had that we were maybe onto something. More recently in 2019, so eight years after the original, you came up with the sequel, Cela était notre message. This was our message. So can you tell us a little bit about this project and uh, how it kind of followed up on kind of the, the points that were brought up and discussed in the first one? I'm going to throw it back at you, Andre. What, what do you, and this is a, like, I call it an exercise in ego or whatever, but I'm genuinely curious, like, when did you first come to the, to that message and what, what was your experience of of seeing it or experiencing it? So I remember seeing it originally, like uh, at around the time that it came out. So I think that was 2011, right? So I was kind of uh, in high school at that time and I remember seeing it. And, and the big thing that definitely resonated with me was this idea of teachers telling you like, don't speak in English, like that's, that's bad. That's the taboo language, right? which really is not the most effective way of doing it. You don't want to speak French because it's not English, right? You want to speak French because it's your mother tongue, because there's a lot of culture there, because you're attending all these events that you love, like, for example, the Festivals Voyageurs and, uh, and all these other events. And there were just a lot of things that you could kind of just think internally. You're like, this doesn't really make a lot of sense. And this was this project really kind of just shared it with everyone, kind of demonstrated that a lot of these thoughts that we kind of realized that this is kind of odd, a lot of other people were thinking, yeah, this is odd indeed. And this is probably not the best approach. And this is something we should be fixing. You're right. That was, that was the main message is like, we're tired of, of English being vilified. Being bilingual is a massive advantage in Canada. And we're actually speaking to Francophones saying, we're proud that we speak good English and that we can act as a bridge between uh, both cultures and, and experience the full value of both. So back to your original question, Soleil et message was simply the sequel to that. In 2019, eight years later, there was both a desire on my part and on the Conseil Jeunesse Provincial's part to revisit those themes with, the, with a lot of the same participants to see how we felt now in our late 20s and to revisit both the impact that Soleil et message had had and whether the conversation had shifted. The biggest thing that I got out of that conversation is how much progress we had made in just talking about the issues. Virtually, I feel like I virtually did nothing. I, I just kind of like tried to create the best space I could. And then 20 incredibly eloquent, articulate people came and sat down and bore their souls for four hours. And it turned into the delightful 110 minutes that is up online. I want to talk uh, about uh, a really ambitious project that you have, which is the production and filming of Idiosa, which is a feature-length French movie that was produced in Manitoba. So actually, I remember I, I attended at the premiere of, of that movie. And there was one, like after the movie, you were answering questions and, and 
other folks that were involved in the movie were answering questions. And one thing that really stood out for me was that uh, it's important that we have cultural content that's produced in French that's not only just talking about French in Manitoba and other settings like that, because Idiot said it was not about the Francophone community at all. So I'm, I'm hoping you can kind of talk to us a little bit more about this movie and what inspired you to make a movie such as Idiosud. But when I went over to, to, to writing my first um, professional feature film, I decided that I wanted to kind of create a world in which the French language was just a normal part of living. And that that in and of itself would be a statement of the community having arrived to a kind of stable equilibrium that it was an, an achievement in and of itself that French could be portrayed as a normal integrated part of living your life and that it wasn't a perpetual struggle and that it wasn't something that was perpetually on your mind. So I made a story about two university students who discover that a company is greenwashing a new environmental initiative and uh, work to expose that company. And that story could have happened in New York. It could have happened in Seattle. It could have happened in Mexico City or Delhi or Riyadh. But the underlying statement was that it was happening in Winnipeg in the French community. And it was Francophones who spoke like us and had our outlook on life that were living out this story. That was one of the goals of it. I mean, we wanted the main goal was to tell a great story and like achieve making a film, which are all in of its uh, in and of themselves difficult goals to achieve. But it was definitely a conscious, unconscious aspiration of mine to just kind of normalize la francophonie in Manitoba without addressing it once. So we've been talking a little bit about you know your your previous works and everything, and you kind of hinted at it in terms of the English translation of your 2019 documentary. But I guess we'd be just kind of curious, um, what what's down the pipeline? What what sort of projects are you currently um, engaged with? I'm very passionate about youth engagement, political awareness, cultural identity, environmentalism, and the. Uh, the documentary projects that I'm currently developing, writing, directing, all touch on those different themes, all for French language broadcasters uh, nationally. One of the projects that I can talk about, I'm working on the second season of La Terre en Nous, The Earth Within Us, which is an eco-documentary series for APTN in French, for APTN's French language programming, starring and hosted by this phenomenal human being, Christian Pilon. He's a uh, Métis canoe builder from the Ottawa region who travels coast to coast looking for innovative solutions and people acting to restore humanity's relationship with nature and equilibrium with it. And we're filming it right now and it's likely going to be broadcast next year in summer or fall 2022. Other than that, I'm uh, working, I, I co-direct with uh, several other directors from across Canada, a series plainly titled Or Québec, Outside of Quebec, which is a documentary series uh, for TVA, which I, um, the best way I can describe it, it's kind of the market equivalent of CTV, but in French. Um, so like a large national French language broadcaster that isn't the CBC. And uh, currently I'm working on a, on a couple other documentary projects that are you know, my industry works on a long timeline. Uh, we're talking on like on a two or five year uh, scope, but for the for those to happen, you have to start working on those now. But I'm very intrigued with our relationship and not just the Francophone community relationship, but 
the Canadian public's relationship to our democracy, especially as we see the tumultuous democratic experiences of our neighbors in the South, how can we better improve, enhance, and diversify our relationship to our democracy and our democratic system in Canada is a question that I've been asking myself as of late. And I've got a few creative partners that I'm working on a project with. Those are the kinds of things that are now occupying my brain. And it's going to be interesting how that falls out in the in the coming years. Yeah, no, those, those sound like really, um, really interesting ideas. And again, you're touching on the topics that are just like, everyone's thinking about issues of climate change, you know, issues of democracy, again, looking stateside. So it's exciting to see uh, those issues tackled in, in the coming years. Now we have one last question for final thoughts, but it's something that's been, you know, getting in, in my cranium throughout this discussion. And, and it's, it's, it's my experience I, I went to a, an Anglophone school, you know, throughout my whole life. And so French was taught kind of as like, you know, you go to French class and it, it, it was not the, the, the primary reason for school, um, at least how, how I grew up. But one of the things that always stuck out for me in French, and I'd be curious for both of your thoughts on this, was when I think of my French learning, it was Telefrancais. So you had a talking pineapple. And that was it. I got to know, I got to know, what is your perception on that show and, and, and its impact? I, I'm, again, it's, I'm just very curious. André, are you familiar with Télé Français? No, I've never heard of this before. <laughs> okay, you are in for a wild ride, sir. Uh, Ian, I only, I think I only learned of the existence of Télé Français maybe two or three years ago, tops. So... Apparently, some schools in the Francophone division did use Télé Français in like elementary school classrooms. That was not my case at all. It was nowhere on my radar. And I think it was primarily used as a uh, second language tool, uh, which is why you would have had a much more extensive experience with it than, than I would have or André would have. Boy, where to even start? Like you can, that needs reams of, of context. Just like, I highly, I don't know if you guys have show notes, but you must absolutely post at least five or six YouTube links to Télé Français for everybody to enjoy and revel in the spectacular out of the box nature is how I'm going to describe it generously of a talking, dancing pineapple teaching you such words as titty fun. That's that's my understanding of it. What was your experience? You're, you're absolutely right. Something stuck in my in my cranium from like thinking back to my early education and and you know and and when you know teachers are teaching French for the first time. You know what what uh, what were the things that you know you remember back in those in that in those times and how do you kind of create enthusiasm for it? And I think it's less. It's less about what you learn. It was more the randomness of a talking pineapple being the spokesperson for for learning French. That was very confusing to me. But it was something that even, you know, I remember graduating, like, and, and this is a very long time ago, but like, you know, the, the French teacher who taught in grade four and five, she brought up Tele Francais, like at our graduation, and we all remembered, you know, and that's like, you know, years after the fact. And again, so so again, I was just more curious for your your hot take on Tele Francais. Um, so I really appreciate you going that direction. Yeah, Gabriel, this has been a very insightful conversation. Um, I, I really appreciate you, you digging deep and, and you talked about your own documentaries of how you kind of just let, let 
let the the guests talk and and we've kind of done a little bit here with you and, and just being able to to hear your thoughts on francophone culture and, and the communities and what kind of ties it together it's been really interesting just to listen to your ideas and your thoughts on this and and i guess we're going to just conclude with any sort of just general sort of do you have any final thoughts on this idea of of, of the francophone community and the culture or i guess like kind of tied to this where would you like to see the conversation or the discord discourse go moving into the future yeah, I think about this often, and it depends on the day. So I'm going to give you my answer for today. I grew up, like I said, in a generation that hadn't experienced a lot of both the social and the political, legal political struggles of the Francophone community, typical of like the Georges Fauret era or uh, the Léo Robert era, you know, 60s through 80s, La crise linguistique du Manitoba as well, the, the Manitoba linguistic crisis of the 80s. I grew up in a very nurturing, like culturally safe and very nurturing community and environment. Like I said, was, was one of the first generations to fully live out their lives in that ecosystem and in that frame of mind and space. That definitely has given me and a lot of people in my generation a different outlook on their identity and probably a much less combative one than previous generations. But then the question becomes like, what do we make of that identity and that culture in a world that is rapidly fragmenting? And I use that both in the positive and negative senses, like fragmenting into smaller groups that can now connect with each other, regardless of geographical location or, or isolation, can now network and feel less alone. And now I can just as easily enjoy a film in Hindi subtitled in English as I can a Quebecois movie, as I can, you know, a local piece of TV. Those now exist all on the same platform and it becomes a lot harder for the Franco-Manitoban community and especially the arts and culture to compete in that space. I don't have a single answer for you today and I most likely won't for the next several decades. But that's an ongoing conversation that us as artists and the broader community have to have because there is going to be a cultural reckoning at some point when the critical mass kind of shifts or tips and then all of a sudden there are fewer people for whom it is their natural reflex to always reach for a French piece of art or culture or media first. And again, I'm not prepared to say that that's a bad thing. It's just a thing. And how we deal with it is the real question, not whether it's good or bad. So those are the questions that I'm asking myself right now. Perfect. Well, Gabby, this has been a very interesting conversation. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. It was my absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Beyond Real. Join us on our next episodes when we ask the question, who is part of the Francophone community? We will be talking with Blondine Tona, a French-speaking immigrant from Cameroon, as well as Derek Bentley, whose first language is English and is now extensively involved in the Francophone community. Executive producers and hosts are André Mathieu and Ian T.D. Thompson. Technical producer is Frédéric Demers, and consulting producer is Gabrielle Tuga. The music you hear on Beyond Real is by Rayana. To hear more of her music, visit rayana.com. That's R-A-Y-A-N-N-A-H.com. 
Beyond Real is a UMFM 101.5 limited series broadcasted out of the University of Manitoba. For more information on the series, visit umfm.com.